Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mom of the Hard Kid. Today, we're going to be talking about sugar and sugar's impact on some of our children. Because you will hear, and I used to be, I used to be so many different things. (laughs) I used to be one of those parents that was like, of course, kids get excited when they have sugar. They're happy to be having something good. (laughs) Like why this isn't a big deal. But now that I'm a mom of four kids and see the difference between my two children who have ADHD and their reactions to sugar and my two children who do not and their reactions to sugar, I we are just going to walk down this hall and talk about sugar. So the first thing that I'm going to do is be really rude and disrespectful and say when my youngest who is in kindergarten has sugar, she is a stinker McPotamus for about three days. There were different words I was going to use. I'm not going to use those. She is grouchy, moody, mean, vindictive after she has sugar. And it doesn't take a whole lot of sugar to get her this way. So we do not give her much sugar. It's one of those things that we kind of keep away from her. It's one of those things that if she's naughty, it gets taken away as a punishment, which works really, really well for her in so many ways. So we don't give her sugar, but she will steal it. We don't give her sugar because she gets so mean. And honestly, folks, the biggest advice I have if your child is like mine is to drastically limit the sugars. And I don't do colors either. That doesn't work. And like I said, long ago, I made fun of people who would restrict sugars and colors. I did not believe a word of it. But now I am a firm believer. I have two kids who are bizarrely affected by sugars and colors. It was the oddest thing. The older of the two would get unmanageably hyper. I could not bring him down from his sugar high. He would get so impulsive and he would pester everybody that was in the room. He'd poke him and prod him and kick him and whatever. He, you could just tell that he was bothering everyone that was around him, whether it was kids or adult. Well, he has a few blood sugar issues. So we had to limit his sugar because of those blood sugar issues. And things were great. He's fine. He was more even. That's okay. And his colors, because he came back with um, some allergies on an allergy test that he's allergic to reds, greens, and blacks. And I can't remember exactly which ones. They were very specific in the test, but I just eliminate almost all colors from his diet because his, it's like his brain would shut off. It was, and he's got a really great brain. So (laughs) gone are most of the colors in his diet. But the little one, however, didn't show issues with hyperactivity. Now, Let me back up and just say her whole life is hyperactivity. So (laughs) as someone from an ADHD family, if they were watching my little one play hard in a pool and then and then get out on the playground and the lady who has ADHD kids says to me, oh, this is going to wear her out. And I said, oh, she doesn't wear out. And three vacation days later, the same person says, 
she walks up to me and she says, you know, when you said that, I didn't believe you, but she doesn't wear out. <laughs> I was like, uh-uh, she does not wear out. Doing fun things feeds her from the inside out. And she is like a nuclear powered five-year-old child. So luckily she sleeps through the night most of the time, even though she does tend to wake up at five in the morning. Anyway, I noticed a positive change when I took away sugar as a punishment. The tantrum slid down from several hours to just a few hours. And when she would get the sugar back because she'd made it through her punishment, everything went back to the way it was. So I'm not saying that this is a magic cure, but I do think it was a critical cog in the machine towards her improvement. And for some reason, her body does not process sugar well. So I decided to go through a massive <laughs> research cycle. And and I feel like I already knew this stuff. I feel like we've heard this stuff. But I just want to talk to you about some of the things that I came across. So when you look up a body's re- response to sugar, you can come up with a lot of research studies where they study sugar in ADHD kids And they'll come up with inconclusive findings because this kid, you know, he got really aggressive after, but that one was fine. And and they both have ADHD. And I dare say, I feel like these studies, having done some studies in the past, (laughs) and you're just doing your best. Like, it's really hard to get a really good study, especially with many of the limitations that they have on studying anything on humans, you kind of just have to take it at a step back, um, which isn't always beneficial to getting information. But you will find that a lot of the studies on sugar and ADHD kids is really inconclusive. And I think, you know what, I don't need a study to tell me that my child goes bonkers for three days. I did the study myself. I have done it in person multiple times because there are times when I'm like, no, you can't have sugar. You can't have sugar. And then I feel bad because let's say it's a birthday or everyone's having it and she's not. And sometimes I can get her something else. Like uh, the other night we sat around the campfire and we roasted hot dogs and then everyone gets out the s'mores and she can't have that. So I'm not having it. I can't have it. So but I get her some mandarin oranges because she loves those. And so she's eating the mandarin oranges and she's okay. So we do stuff and we compensate. But sometimes it just feels awful. And I want her to have something. And no matter what I give her, it is many days of dealing with the consequences of having given it to her. So when you look up these studies, It was really discouraging. I just thought, no, I see it. How come it's not in these studies? I see it. (laughs) And then I took a different turn. So my daughter was born with drugs in her system. She, her biological mother gifted her with tons of different kinds of drugs before she was born. So she happens to be a recovering addict at the age of five. And she has been in recovery for years. But when you think about it, and this is me just making up my own stuff here. But when I think about it, I think her brain was made 
while on drugs. Her brain was formed. Her neurological systems were formed while there was drugs. There was methamphetamines, which greatly intensify certain things. There were um, opiates, lots of lots of opiates. And and they do their issues with the um, covering of, of neurons. Like there's just her whole brain was developed around having drugs in her system. So I started looking up what drugs and sugar, what sugar does to former drug addicts. And it was really interesting to see the difference because we were looking at these articles and I'll try and find some of the specific ones. I have like 1400 open, but you'll find a lot of these articles at like treatment recovery websites. So there's one called Wellness Retreat Recovery. And they haven't, this is not a scholarly article. This is just an article where they're talking about dopamine and sugar and how people who have been on drugs have a really high susceptibility of becoming addicted to sugar because sugar releases the dopamine short term. Well, if your child, in my opinion, starts out life with a dopamine chasing kind of attitude, then you have sugar, which then skyrockets that dopamine. Um, holy cow. So the article is called The Link Between Sweets and Addiction. So it talks about the response in early recovery. And I'm just going to read a little bit about it because... <laughs> It's just a good article. So let me see if I can see who authored this article because I don't think it says. It doesn't say. So it says here under the caption, giving into sugar's dopamine response in early recovery. These sugars versus drug studies may cause a lot of people, especially addicts and alcoholics, to scoff. Heroin and cocaine can lead to homelessness, jail, and fatal overdose. No one hears of a case of someone pawning family heirlooms in order to buy their next box of double-stuffed Oreos. There's validity to the argument that refutes these studies. Lab rats are different than humans. Humans possess higher reasoning skills that may influence choices, and the market for drugs and cookies are vastly different. So what this author is talking about is how there was a study, which I actually have here, I'll try and find exactly which one of my tabs is that article, where they did a study with lab rats. And they were just and sometimes more likely to choose Oreos over drug injections. Because the reward of dopamine in the chemicals of the brain were more rewarding with the cookie than they were with the illicit drugs. So then skipping down a little bit, it says, however, there's a link between sugar and dopamine, the same chemical that releases in the body during illicit drug use. So that means the sugar and the drug addiction are similar in a lot of surprising ways. And for newly sober addicts and alcoholics, the chemical process of addictive substance use in the brain cause intense sugar cravings. So your body knows the link between sugar cravings <laughs> and the dopamine. And it, it as an addict trying to recover 
you have this intense dopamine reaction. So if you go to Texas Institute for Neurological Disorders.com, they have an a, a article called The Effects of High Sugar Diet on the Brain. This is where it talks about how it affects the brain. Now, if you want to go more into this, absolutely come read more into this. A lot of what they talk about is about um, just regular sugar addiction, but they kind of go into the different pieces of, oh, ooh, there's another one. This is the study. I found it. So Connecticut College or C-O-N-N-C-O-L-L.edu has an article called Student Facility Research Suggests Oreos Can Be Compared to Drugs of Abuse in Lab Rats. So Joseph Schroeder, who's an associate professor of psychology and the director of the Behavioral Neuroscience Program, and Lauren Cameron found in 2014 that eating Oreos affected more neurons in the brain's pleasure center than exposure to drugs of abuse. So when you're walking through this and you're thinking of your child who is potentially a recovering drug addict, you can maybe see why their bodies are taking this sugar situation too far. Now, my other child who was not born with any drugs in his system, he gets hyperactive for, I don't know, an hour and then he's done. It doesn't, it doesn't bleed over the same. But for my daughter, who is a, in a way, a recovering drug addict, her biggest problems are not while she's eating it. It's when it's after. It's almost like she goes through withdrawal. I know it's crazy. I don't have any experience to back that up. I haven't watched a lot of people go through withdrawal. But if I was to explain her reactions, that is how I would explain it. She has this sugar and then it just pulls her down into mean and grouchy and angry and vindictive for the next few days. Okay, so what do I do? I talk to her about it. I tell her that sugar doesn't work for her. When she's stolen it and she gets caught and we realize that that's why she's been having such a hard time for the last week and a half, I have her walk through her week. I have her remember all of her bad behaviors. And I remind her that she doesn't do that when she hasn't had sugar. And, you know, I am not perfect Sometimes I'm so frustrated with the behaviors that it's really, 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 really difficult for me to put this all together. But I think it's really important for her to be able to wrap her head around why she gets so mad, why she's getting in trouble, why she's getting so angry. And when you read the the sugar addiction issues and you read about the dopamine that is released and you read about um, why they don't recommend sugar in addiction recovery. So if you look at columbusrecoverycenter.com, they have an article from February 20th, 2023, and it talks about why avoiding sugar in addiction treatment is beneficial. And it's because your body it's it, okay. I I never know what to like tell you about and what to just read. So I'm just going to read this part. According to recent research, consuming too much sugar can not only put people at higher risk of addiction, but it can also interfere with addiction treatment. Evidence suggests that 
table sugar can trigger addictive behaviors in much the same way that drugs and alcohol can. More specifically, sugar can activate the brain's reward areas the way drugs do by overstimulating these centers over time. So when I tell you that my child, especially when things were really bad, was a dopamine chaser, I mean, she was a dopamine chaser. It didn't matter what it was, if there was a thrill there, if there was anything that would give her a dopamine rush, she would take it. She could not help herself. It was actually incredibly dangerous, incredibly exhausting. But people really who are dopamine chasers end up finding these avenues. And I... I have this theory that I'm just making up myself that people who have had a drug recovery situation where their brain has been impacted by the drugs that they eat and consume, that they have an extra hard time with the processing of sugar. So here in that Recovery Village Columbus website, It says, further, sugar itself can be an addictive substance, which we all know. We all know that, you know, even myself, when I've had a hard day, I'm like shoving cookies down my throat. Those Oreos, which I now know are more effective than recreational drugs, which is, I mean, great. (laughs) I, I shouldn't even make jokes like that. But it says here, sugar can stimulate the rewarding system in the brain, which can impede the brain's ability to communicate to a person to stop eating. So if it can tell your body, hey, this is good. We want this. We want this so bad. We want this. We want this. Then why in the world could it not mess up the other communications that go on in your child's brain? And if you combine knowing that it does all of these things, knowing that it's a dopamine in serotonin releaser, then you can look up information on what happens to the body when it's detoxing from sugar. So if you go to verywellhealth.com, it has an article that says signs, symptoms, and complications, sugar withdrawal. Okay, so you go through and it's like, hey, what are some what are some signs of sugar withdrawal? And it says common symptoms include fatigue, mood changes, irritability, and intense cravings that may lead to overeating. So why in the world would that not be something that could be in a child? And when they're doing these studies, and again, you know me, I am just so critical of everybody, which isn't necessarily fair, because I know they're all doing the best that they can. But there is an article by Nicole Avina, Pedro Rada, and Bartley G. Hobel called Evidence for Sugar Addiction, Behavioral and Neurological Effects of Intermittent Excessive Sugar Intake. And here is where they're kind of talking mostly about sugar addiction and food addiction. But when they talk about the effects on your brain, so it says here, this Review summarizes evidence of whether sugar dependence is an animal model. Four components of addiction are analyzed. So they have binging, withdrawal, craving, and cross-sensitization. And so it talks about behaviors and neurological changes in the brain. Neurochemical, sorry, neurochemical changes in the brain. 
and how they match with that of addictive drugs. So neural adaptations that include changes in dopamine and opioid receptor binding. They talk about, I don't even know how to say this word, enkephalin mnRNA expression and dopamine and acetylcholine, <laughs> which I also don't know how to say. And But these neuroscientists are saying, hey, there is a neurological component here. So it would make sense to me just as a random individual that different people have different sensitivities and that especially I think if your child has had an exposure to a high dopamine drug, that they would be especially susceptible to sugar and the effects of sugar. So one of the things they have down a little bit lower in this, um, it's called the author manuscript. It says, intermittent sugar access also acts by way of opioids in the brain. There are changes in opioid systems, such as the decreasing of the encephalin MNRA expression, which I already discussed, which I don't really understand and could learn more. These neurochemical adaptations in response to intermittent sugar intake mimic the effects of opiates. Now, my daughter had so many that I just think it's a reasonable conclusion to say, hey, my daughter's having such a hard time with sugar maybe it's because it has a bigger effect on her than with other kids. So this whole big to do and discussion is to put it in your mind that there is a potential that one of the reasons your child is having such a difficult time, especially if they have just any kind of weakness towards, you know, mental illness or a typical neural function that you should maybe see if sugar is having an impact, especially a negative impact on your child's attitude, behavior, processing systems, because we all know that sugar is a worse guy than we want it to be. I am sitting here next to four Oreo type cookies. <laughs> it's not like it's not like I've got this down. It's not like I am perfect. But I do know that sugar has a huge impact. And maybe we can really help out our kids if we limit the amount of sugar. And by helping out our kids, maybe we can help out ourselves and the rest of our family by creating a child who can keep their brain in more of a regulated place, not have to chase that dopamine or recover from that dopamine high. That maybe we can provide a more stable environment for our children and that's a more stable environment. That is my hope. I hope when you guys go down the research of this that you can figure out what works best for your kids and find the answers that you're looking for. Thanks for joining.